and I'm doing ministry. And I just never quite saw myself in full-time ministry. And those people belong in ministry. I don't belong in ministry. Like, yeah, there was a lot of battles with identity because I think that's one of the things you face as a, as a guy or as believers for all of us. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isberger, and on today's episode, you're going to hear all about men, who they are, what they're after, and why. And you're going to, you're going to find out how a, tr- a pro boxer turned business entrepreneur became a director of men's ministry. Yes, and you're going to hear the difference of um, growing up and having a religious background versus having a relationship with Jesus. You're going to find out the real definition of what it means to be a real man and God's purpose for you as a man. Yes. And you're going to hear about the power of, of having a band of brothers. Now, if you are a woman listening to this, do not tune out because you will be inspired and encouraged as well. You're going to hear uh, how not to lose the battle uh, for your soul and for your whole life that for that matter. Yeah. And then also, if you're not involved in a men's group or someone you know is not, how to get started? Uh, you're going to get some good suggestions yeah. and yeah, on how to get started and where to go. Now, Bob Coffin is our guest today. He's the director of men's ministry at Grace Church. And this is a ministry that comes alongside men in the fight to live out biblical manhood. Uh, previous to this role, Bob was a successful entrepreneur. And then after selling his business, he went full time into ministry. Yeah, it's amazing. He is married to his beautiful wife, Jenny, and they have five kids who even as adults all love hanging out together. Truly, they do. Now, Bob grew up in a moderately religious home, went to church sometimes, but never really looked at it as a priority. Well, while he was in high school, uh, Bob went with a man involved with the campus ministry and uh, they went to breakfast and this man shared the gospel with Bob for the first time. He actually understood what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And he's going to share all about that. But today he is just very, very passionate about coming alongside men and spurring them on in their love relationship with him. Yes. Welcome to your biggest breakthrough, Bob Coughlin. We are so excited to have you with us. Like, this is so fun. This is like, this is like friend time. Right. Maybe I should have Bob tell the story on how we met because we've, we've been friends for a few years, but it was interesting the way we got together. You want to share that story or should I share my version? Yeah, I'd love to hear your voice <laughs> version because it's because me and the Holy Spirit made you go to Nepal. That's all I know. So Bob, we're going to talk more about what Bob is actually into in leading this men's ministry. But I was in church about four years ago during the summer and I saw a video pop up. It was about a couple minutes in length. It was all about these crazy guys led by Bob Coughlin. There were like 13 of them. They call themselves the extreme team. And Bob hauls these guys off to Nepal to a, to a place that we probably shouldn't mention, but I already did. But at any rate, there's a mission opportunity that's going on where Bob is going to take guys and hike up the Himalayas to the unreached people groups up in those areas and share Jesus with them. And I saw the results of that first trip and I just went, oh my, that is incredible. And then I thought to myself, I'd really like to do that, except I'm just too old. 
So I called Bob and he wanted to get together right away. And I'm explaining to him that this sounds fascinating. I think it's great. He's telling me stories. And I said, I really, I just don't, I just think I'm too old to go. So Bob's response is, hey man, you can do this. In fact, the Lord told me, the Holy Spirit just now revealed, you are supposed to go. That's God's word for you. What am I going to say? I mean, it, it was just the fact you showed up. I knew that you had to go to Nepal, right? <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit gave me extra real. Yeah. Relevation, but it was confirming that you showed up, so you had to go. That's oh. my litmus test. If you actually show <laughs> up, then I know you're going to Nepal. So. Yeah, if I were actually thinking I was going to go there, I probably wouldn't have showed up. But thank you for talking me into it. Yes, because and, it's been a trip uh, uh, that he uh, talks about all the yeah. time. And those of you listening, right. you've heard him talk about this Nepal trip numerous times. And we have Bob to thank for that. Yeah. <laughs> And you've led a number of groups and lots of groups have gone in all kinds of different directions. And it's incredible to see what God has done through that. Now, before we get into what's all going on in the men's ministry, in your life and the lives of so many others, let's just back up a little bit, Bob, and just so people get a feel for who you are. So why don't you just give us a little bit of your backstory, like starting with your childhood, your upbringing, what was that all like? Sure. So I'm the youngest of 10 kids. 10 kids. <laughs> now, wait, everybody's going to assume immediately it's a Catholic family. Right. And it was. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we grew up, grew up in Brooklyn Park. Most people assume, oh, you grew up in a, on a farm. And no, we didn't. We grew up at a one-story rambler with like three bedrooms and a basement and 10 kids. And wow. I think we had a couple of three beds. dogs, 10, 10 cats. We had a couple monkeys. And so- You had monkeys? I, I, we, okay, I that explains it. everything. It everything. So I just explained, I grew up in a zoo. I, that's more, <laughs> more or less my. Well, obviously, my God was preparing you for what you're doing today, right? And running the zoo, right? Running cats now. with guys over and over <laughs> again. So nothing surprises me. And but yeah, so it wasn't until the summer for my senior in high school, a gentleman from a ministry called the Student Venture, which is a high school ministry, a Campus Crusade for Christ, or Crew, said, "Hey, want to get together?" Somebody said that you're one of the leaders in the high school, and I'm like, "You really got the wrong guy." He goes, I was thinking I wanted to buy you breakfast. And I'm like, oh, good. Free meal. Yeah, I'm with you. Went out. He shared the gospel. And for the first time, I've been, I understood religion and we've gone to church somewhat, not real consistently. And, but because of pride and all the other things, I said, no, it's just not for me. I told you I had the wrong guy. And he came back a little while later and brought a wrestler with her, with them because he, he thought some sports thing would grab me and or said, he had hey, to wrestle to you get... down. Yeah. And he said, hey, I would like to get together again. I said, hey, I told the wrong guy. He offered to buy me breakfast. So I said, yes, again. And they went through it and just reshared the gospel. And I went home that night and realized that according to God's word, which I'd never opened up before in my life, before that meeting, that I was separated from him and was going to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. And so that night I gave my life to Christ and two weeks later, school started and I went in and I told everyone, the principal, my football coaches, all the teachers, all the, that they're all going to hell. So I knew I had the gift of evangelism. Praise God, this guy. Wait, 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 wait. You, so you always started with the bad news first, huh? Yeah. Oh, you're going to hell, but I got good news for you. So the good news is that, that, uh, a uh, guy who God used to lead me to Christ led my three best friends to Christ, and he actually still disciples us weekly today. Seriously, uh, all these years. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, so, um, but yeah, so we, from that, my senior year, I think me and my buddies had 40 or 50 guys in a Bible study by the end of the fall. And 
that was kind of the first idea or seeing God give me the drive to go capture men. Yeah. God knew you were a mover and a shaker and you would put that net out there and, and catch men for him. So this is so cool. So you've got a massive sports background. Let's talk a little bit about that. Cause obviously you're talking about crew and different things. Can you give us a little more foundation there? Sure. So figured out being the youngest of 10 kids, I was really good at getting hit and hitting people. No sports with any type of real skill involved. And so my dad was a state Called boxing defense. commissioner. <laughs> right. So my dad was a state boxing commissioner. So I grew up around the boxing world, which is really unique and crazy. And Kind of goes along with the monkeys and the zoo and, and then playing football. So I ended up earning a scholarship to play football at the University of Minnesota. And so I played there and met my soon-to-be wife there through Athletes in Action, which is the college sports ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ and big sports background. And yes. you thought about going into, into pro sports and professional boxing? So interesting enough, so I had 200 amateur fights growing up boxing. And so I actually turned pro for almost about two years out of college. But one of the things that kind of came to the realization for me is that when I'd go to these camps, I was working with Lou Duva and Hollyfield and Tommy Morrison and these groups as we started to develop these relationships. And the best thing they always said about me is they're like, oh my gosh, this guy can take a punch. And they said it over and over again. And they never said, gosh, he's really skilled or he's an intelligent fighter. They're just like, gosh, this one can take a punch. And so I figured maybe that wasn't the best thing to be good at. Yeah. So my boxing career ended and ended up getting in, in applying my, I had a business finance degree out of the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. And I'm like, I think I better apply this education thing and got into the working world. That's where you kind of discovered entrepreneurship and that you had just a desire to start, right? Yeah. So I actually went to, I was in financial planning because I had a finance degree, didn't enjoy it, but I got turned on to this company that was selling phone equipment and networking and and people that were running the company were extremely unethical. After a period of time, I'm like, okay, I'm consulting the customers. I'm sourcing the equipment and I'm doing all this stuff. The only thing I'm not doing is the financing. And then I, gosh, I think I got a, a degree in that or something like that. Mm-hmm. So ended up breaking off and starting a company named Cross Telecom with the Prince idea to to build a company simply on biblical principles. Yeah. And, and so that went really well. And then you ended up, if I remember the story, you sold it. And it's now what? Uh, because it Correct. seemed like God had planted in you, like from the moment you received Christ, you had this desire to bring others to Jesus. And you had Bible studies going, even in your boxing career, you're still staying true to the Lord in your entrepreneurship. Now you've sold your company. What are you thinking? Now what? Now I was in trouble because I didn't know what I was going to do the rest of my life. Yeah. Here's the truth is while I was in the sports, in sports, it was still a ministry to me in college. So I had the privilege of leading the Athletes in Action program on campus, served a period of time as a youth pastor while I was still in school doing that. So I just got it, just birthed in a, just a ministry heart. And then so when we started the company, both Danny and I ended up leading studies for people in the company. But that the missional uh, perspective, or we called it on mission, that never changed regardless of what we were doing. So once I did sell the company, Danny and I were able to be a lot more intentional about what we did with our time. I spent tons of time because in that season of life, my kids were in high school. And so I spent a lot of time with that center of influence between the parents of 
my kids' friends and the students themselves, I think uh, kind of at the peak, we'd have over 100, 150 kids over our house doing a Sunday Bible study with all the kids in high school because that was the season of life we were in and in that, in that influence. I love that. And you and Jenny are such a, a duo. You're such a, you're just such a couple for Christ. And it's just so fun to see how you're both operating in the spirit and in your giftings. But I have to ask you as a guy's guy, like you're a dude, I have to ask you because I think a lot of men wrestle with this and as an entrepreneur and then someone in the athletic arena, did you ever wrestle with your identity? Yeah, absolutely. You're amazing husband over there. We've had some conversations over over coffee, just on the battle that you face. It's continuous. But yeah, you wrestle with that identity as an athlete, and then you're done with that. And then you get into the working world and you start to find success. And then people identify you with that. And matter of fact, um, early on in our marriage, Jenny and I, it was, there was a point in time that, that there was one single time that, that it came to a head where at work, I was the smartest. I was growing, couldn't do anything wrong. People kept telling me how smart I was, how great I was, but you'd come home and you got three kids under the age of three and it was hard and I didn't do these things as well there. So you're kind of like, I like my identity over here at the office mm. because I'm the smartest and the best. And But we... That God used it really used us coming together and identifying the battle that we were in to to be the catalyst to to change our marriage with all that it was it was incredible. Even after I sold the company, part of the battle was is who am I? What am I going to do? What where's my identity? I always could say I'm working and accomplishing this, and I'm doing ministry, and I just never quite saw myself in full time ministry. And I've even shared with Todd just the. Those people belong in ministry. I don't want in ministry. Like, I mean, they, so it was, yeah, there was a lot of battles with identity because I think that's one of the things you face as a guy or as believers for all of us. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that it's a daily struggle because that's so raw and real. And what would you say to the person listening? Like maybe that, how do you go about this each day? Obviously, and I know you're going to say dive into God's word, but maybe there's even something in addition to that, that you would share with someone listening that's, yeah, you know what? I'm having an identity crisis. And I, I, I really just want that, that go to one, two, three of, okay, do this and this. And it's different for everyone I know, but maybe you, Bob Coughlin has some ideas around that can help. So of course, I'm going to give you that cliche answer. You're right. Here's what I know about myself is that if I'm if I'm in God's word and I'm understanding who he is, that changes my understanding of who I am. So anytime mm -hmm. I start to think I'm, I've got something going on and I'm pretty special, right? I understand who he is, which helps me understand just by grace what he's done for me. And so that begins to change how I go live my life and what the outpouring is. And so you can you can literally play a roll of a tape in or video. And so when I'm meandering and wandering and confused about my identity, it's because my lack of quiet time, my lack of meeting with the Lord and my lack of intimacy with him through prayer. It's literally textbook. Jenny could say, oh, you haven't been doing your quiet times, have you? Have you? Like, this is so obvious. Great. God's oh, called man. me on the table a couple of times too. So, But what you say is really so very profound, and yet it is so simple. It's not like you got to pull out a textbook. 
and start reading and studying all the right answers to identify who you are. It's the textbook. It's the textbook. Bob said it. The more you get to know him, the more you're going to understand who you are. So let's go back for just a little bit. You've sold your business. You're in this in-between spot, although you are pouring yourselves into high schoolers because it's the context of your of your family. But then there's a point in time where you are now officially, he hates titles too. You can't call him pastor, by the way, but you're the director of men's ministries at a very large church in Minnesota, Grace Church. And what in the world happened that you went from where you were to, to where you are in taking on that role? What was the aha moment when you thought to yourself, okay, I'll sign up for this? God's got a sense of humor. That's all I know. I started this man up ministry to impact the people that was in my center of influence in the season of life. So way back when, 20 years ago, whatever it may be now, is I invited a bunch of dads of the kids that I coach and the dads of my kids' friends to come to a Bible study. So I had 10 guys show up and seven guys stuck it out and they were starting to be impacted. They're like, gosh, this is changing my life. This is amazing. Bill and Frank and Ralph were asking how they can be part of it. Now, I don't want them to be in our group, but what are you going to do about it? I'm like, guys, what are you guys going to do about it? So we decided to change our morning of meetings to Thursday and we invited all the people. So we had a hundred guys show up on a Friday and that wow. started yeah. me doing a Friday morning men's group called man up and so kept doing it and did a bunch of different iterations of things so got it birthed my heart in it and at the time the pastor grace troy dobbs had said gosh you know what i think you would be great as the executive pastor and i'm like gosh i destroyed this church in two weeks and he goes well, what about this and i'm like dude i just hang out with the guy that's my deal and so he goes hey i want you to pray about being this the men's pastor And of course, I didn't pray about anything. I just went home and told Jenny about how stupid it would be. (laughs) And she prayed. She prayed about it. So I went back and told Troy. I said, yeah, no, it's just not going to be work out. It's not me. And he said, oh, okay. I thought differently. But uh, so a period later, um, I'm sorry, this is long-winded, but it's pretty awesome about the way God gets done what God's going to do anyways, because he's God. We were meeting with a bunch of guys. I was with the men's group and the men's pastor at the time says, hey, I was thinking this. I go, I'm glad we're all here. Here, how about this? How about you go take care of all the church things, right? And take care of all the sniper fires, I would say. And I'm going to do all the ground tactics. I'll do this. And all the guys are nodding. And the guy looked at me and goes, thanks for sharing, Bob. So I went home and I just started praying. I started wrestling, like, Lord, what are you calling me to? Like, where do you want me? Because I'm, I, I'm just not, I'm feeling restless, like I got to do something. So we had another meeting with a group of guys. And I'm like, hey, I'm glad you guys are all here. This, the pastor called it. And I said, here's what I'm thinking. We could do this. I'm willing to do this. We could go execute this. We could make an impact. And the guy looked at me and goes, that's good to know. I'm already to come over the table and beat up. I'm so frustrated. Literally that day, I bump into Pastor Troy and he goes, listen, here's the deal. The men's pastor said that he thinks he's being called into a full-time teaching position. He goes, I need you to step up. Two weeks later, it was executed. And two weeks later, God was just showing me that regardless of what happens and when it gets hard, that he created that desire and fire in my heart. And that's what... I come back to when 
you have to go through some of the church things because I don't fit that mold mold very well. That's just, that's a good reminder for all of us that, you know, when things are stirring up in your soul, there's a reason for that. And it's important to pull yourself together and start to listen. And I love what Pastor Troy said. He told you it's time to step up. And I wonder how many times God might be saying through others, it's time to step up. And so let all that other stuff go, all the reasons why you think not, and just say, yes, God, which is what Bob did. Can I share real quickly this story that I heard about how you actually became that director? That sure. Two, the two, you put two conditions on it as I, <laughs> condition number one is, okay, I'll take this job, but you can't pay me, which I'm sure every pastor would do backflips over here in that. And then the second condition I heard you put on was, but here's the deal. I have to do it my way. Nobody tells me what to do. It's going to be the way I know it has to be. And you know what? That has really worked well. Yes. Yes, it has. My story, though, is now there's personal thing that is because how do you fire the guy you don't pay? <laughs> so it's like literally 100% selfish on my end. Uh-huh. There you go. That was smart move. Way to be in control. Way to go, Bob. Uh-huh. Or perceived to be. I've got issues, obviously. <laughs> Okay. You are these men for the long haul in this ministry, and you have a desire to come alongside men and help to live out biblical manhood. Let's talk a little bit more about that, especially in this era that we're all living in and why you're so passionate about it. The gentleman who God used to introduce me to Jesus came alongside me and has discipled me and made a huge impact. And I believe God is just put it in my DNA that that I need to replicate what he did. And so that's what gets me fired up, knowing who I was, who I am, and knowing that how much God has changed me to who I am today as a father, as a husband, as a co-ministry person, whatever. I get excited to be part of that story. Yeah. And there are how many men showing up at these Bible studies now. Yeah. So we're over a thousand men meeting on a weekly basis. On a weekly basis. You know, I tell others that, and they look at me like a deer in the headlights, like they didn't understand what I said, because this is just not very typical. Now, now not all those men are from Grace Church. They're from other churches as well, but there, there's almost like a movement that God has begun because there's such a hunger in men. So Bob, talk about what, what are men, especially guys that are going to church and trying to get it right. But you've thrown some statistics around that I've seen what the real needs are among men. And can you identify some of those needs and what happens when they start to come to groups like this? Yeah. So it's actually shockingly, it's staggering how brutal the condition of the men in the church. It's one thing to talk about men who don't know Jesus or aren't coming into the church to, to be able to hear truth. Whether they know Jesus or not, we don't know. But for every 10 men in the church today, 9 out of 10 men have one of their children completely denounce their faith with the number one reason is because they've not seen anything modeled out in the home. So they have a mom and a dad showing up to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and all that stuff, but they're not living out anything from a faith perspective. They say, show up and there's no life change. Eight out of 10 men haven't opened up a Bible in two days, two weeks, two months, two years, or two decades. They're literally biblically illiterate. So they show up to church, hear a sermon. That's supposed to equip them to go live out their faith for the week. We can we can retain, I think the statistic is 5% of what we hear. That's both men and women, right? 
right? But so dummy it down for the guys, right? So we're trying to go live out our faith on 1% of what we can remember the pastor said on a Sunday, seven out of 10 men right now have lost the battle with pornography and borderline sexual addiction. Six out of 10, no financial game plan, financially broken with credit card debt, labored with that. Five out of 10 men in the church have lost their battles in their marriage. Either they're, they've lost the battle or in the process of it. And that's not a statistic to say, gosh, we're so bad. Here's what's sad. Here's what Satan's done. Of those men, nine out of 10 men have no one to go to. So when it hits the fan, because it always hits the fan with their marriage, with their kids, with their battles that they're facing, they have no one to come back to, to talk to. And so, so all we've done is equip men and given them an opportunity to become men of the word, building that foundation with other men in the same thing. You too. Yeah. The me too movement of me, you struggle with that. Yeah. Me too. You have a battle with that. Me too. You're trying to learn that. Yeah, me too. And that's what God's doing. He's taking that simple process of equipping men, getting them together for a purpose, equipping them to become men of the word, building that foundation in God is changing lives. I love that, Bob. And part of it, I have to ask, because men are wired differently than women. And I think the way men tend to think is I got this on my own. I don't need anybody. I'm not going to stop and ask for directions. You can forget it. I got this, that mindset. And so to give guys permission, do you think that takes an education of itself to even get them to think differently? Oh, like I can actually come together and talk this out with other guys. And it takes a little bit of a process of an adjustment, right? Because guys don't normally go about things this way. Yeah, great way to ask that. Here's what's crazy. The statistics is that six out of 10 men today would come to a Bible study. They would meet you for coffee to have someone share the gospel, or they would come to church with you if we would simply ask them. Here's our problem is no one asked. No, oh, they wouldn't be interested. They're, they don't struggle with what I struggle with. They're... Right. That's all we've got a problem is that that no one is actually taking the initiative to invite men. And simply that's what God has done is that we've got this amazing leadership of men stepping up uh, in our men up groups. And now they're inviting and bringing men. And now it's exploding Mm -hmm. simply by guys just taking the opportunity to invite their friends, invite their co-workers, invite their brother-in-law Guys they like, guys they don't like. You can invite anybody and God is bringing them because they're desperate because they're broken inside like all of us and they're desperate to to find a purpose. And so that's what God is doing right now. It's so powerful. Yes, what God is doing. You're right, Bob. And it's so powerful because it's the ripple effect into the family unit when you start with the men. And I just, I'm so excited what's going on at Grace and with the men that you're working with. So thank you for leading the troops and heeding to the call. Yeah, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience because I've I've been in uh, several of these different groups over the last few years. And it's interesting to watch how some of the guys who've never done this kind of thing before meet with other men around the Bible and prayer. And by the way, it's once a week for nine months. So you really get an opportunity to get to know each other in groups of about 10, 10 guys. But I'll watch the change that begins to happen when a guy first comes the first few weeks. He's a little shy. He's a little uncertain. He's not sure if he can share this or that. And there's a really other guy that brings men through it. 
But Bob, I think the most rewarding thing has to be, especially for you, as you look about over all these groups, is to see a guy start at point A and watch him progress to B, C, D. And he just, he starts to go the distance thanks to this band of brothers. And you've watched and of so many men whose lives have really literally gone through transformation. They're better husbands, they're better fathers, they're better friends, they're better work. Really is a result because there's this band of brothers. Unless they're being asked to join in, they'll never know. I want to just ask you though, because a lot of the guys today, based on what culture has thrown on men, are somewhat confused about, I don't even know what the heck a man is supposed to be anymore. What is a man? What do you tell this guys? This is a whole separate episode. Like, with, like, yeah, no, that's true. We could go there. They're struggling with masculinity. And the first thing you want to do is you want to try to flex a bicep and show, hey, how's that? Is that from, so how do you define and how do you tell a guy, no, th this is what it means to be a real man. This is what's so awesome from my seat, seeing the life transformation of, as you talked about, so many men and all those men now that sat there in that seat, and they're trying to figure it out and then they get engaged and then they're doing scripture memory and then they're applying this scripture in quiet time in their marriage and they're seeing God do a change in their marriage and their wives are going, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. My husband's changed. This has never happened before. And them starting to disciple their kids and starting to make an impact and then asking for forgiveness and being humble and being vulnerable. And that's what the definition of me, a bulldog is a guy who, who begins to invest time to understand what the playbook, the Bible says about living up, uh, living what a real man is, and then demonstrate it in their marriage. And then, and as they raise their kids and then everyday life, and then, and here's what's so great. And it, Going back to the Nepal story, 90, I think it was 95% of the guys that went to Nepal has never shared the gospel in their life before Nepal. It's amazing. Right? So they showed up this thing and all we do is go share the gospel up in the Himalaya mountains, right? And they come back. Those guys, we've had, I think, 120, between 120 and 140 guys go over the last several years. Wow. Almost all of those men are now the key leaders in men's ministry. So good. And I can't, I couldn't stop them if I tried today. So when they find out they're being called to something greater, they understand that the Holy Spirit is actually using them for his purpose and his glory. And it affects every area of their life. That's what, that's what real manhood is. Wow. That's good. That's so good, that's good. Bob. What, what would you say to somebody who's, this sounds great, Bob. I love all this. I would love for my husband to get involved and I'd love for my son to get involved. What would you say to someone that, that could maybe, I don't know, they don't know where to how start. do you invite, like, yeah. how, where do you start with all that? Maybe it's just prayer, like God prepare their hearts. But I just didn't know if maybe you had something in particular or a way about going to invite someone that maybe hasn't been in the church space or maybe is, but doesn't necessarily see that they're one that needs to be in a better place in their marriage or as a man. And they think, oh, I got this. I don't know. What would you say to that person? ABC for me is always be closing. Either you're buying yourself and I'm always selling. Yeah. If you're around this, the universe, regardless, if you go to grace or just if you, we get you plugged into a man up study. We, there's room for one more always. And so we do some things like we do the meet to meet, meet, meet. So we had four, that involved meat, guys. like real meat, meat, meat straight, so I would meat. not ever want to go there, right? Is that what you're straight saying? meat, 
straight meat, and then you meet men. It's meat, it's <laughs> guy talk. But you just get a chance to meet guys, and you're like, gosh, these guys are pretty cool. These guys, I get to hang around Todd. Are you kidding me? I'll, I'll come. Here's what I'd say is there's so many, there's so few churches with the men's ministry. And it's really a backwards thinking. It's a defeatist attitude, if you ask me, of a guy is busy and they won't step up. And here's the truth. And we know it's from statistically that it's true today is if you don't capture the men, you're not going to capture the young men. If you don't capture yeah. the men, you're going to miss out the opportunity in the family. If you don't capture the men, you're not going to make the influence in the communities that you need to. So we're already starting out with a defeatist attitude. And I hear it over and over, these guys come into to our man up studies, like, gosh, I tried to introduce this to our pastor and, and he's not interested or they've got other, I'm like, oh, it's gotta be your top priority. Cause if you get the men, you'll capture the hearts of the family. You'll, Cause they'll step up and actually finally lead in the way God's called them to lead. Yes. Biblically, we're called to step up and lead. That's, and if we don't, right? That's going to be a failure with that. But here's what I would do is there, if you go to church, a Bible teaching, Bible believing church, I, if I was a guy that had nowhere to go, I would go find someone that that's got some gray hair that, that I'd ask the pastor about who's the top three, five godly men in the, in, in this congregation and I'd walk up to him and say, I have nowhere to go. Would you disciple? And, that is and I would believe a hundred percent of the time they'd say, absolutely. That is great. And that advice. is a good word. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone needs a mentor. Everyone needs yeah. someone who's going to be just discipling. Yeah. There's something about having a band of brothers when you know somebody's got your back <laughs> so that when you're going through tough things, you've got guys who believe in you, support you, pray for you. And if you don't have that, hey man, you are really missing out, but you don't have to stay in that place of missing out. You can do exactly what Bob said. You can go to your pastor and if it's not going to happen in your church, Go Start find a men's one. group somewhere else and yeah. or be like Bob and just say, you know what? This be like Bob. I think there's gonna be a bracelet yeah, coming yeah, out for a t-shirt. Yeah, be yeah. like Bob. Heaven forbid for everybody, my uh, that would be terrible. I know that the greatest joy that you have is seeing men really win in life, biblically yeah. speaking. You like you you love it when you see guys get serious about the Lord. And yet you're you're all guy. You love to have fun and mess around and be a guy too. But I want you to just, before we close things off here, and this would be good for all of us to know, there must be one thing about Bob Coughlin that nobody knows. You got our, you already got the story about the monkeys. They get the monkeys, that's true. That's so true. seriously though, is there, is there one thing people should know about you that like most people don't know? So truth be told, I love chick flicks. You do? No. Do you, do you I, cry I am, too? I I have been known to cry. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of movies that. So I am stunned. Jenny, Jenny watches the hardcore thriller and stuff. I will sit down in all. Okay, that's hysterical. Hallmark movies with her. I love the romance. I do. Amazing, Bob. Okay, I'll tell you what. People look. People watch on YouTube. They're gonna look at this guy and say, "What." What you got? You know, <laughs> not that boxing messed up your mug, but you got a man about you. You know what I mean? And, and so I'm thinking, I'm wondering if you don't need to turn in your man card. I, this well, is just something else. What I'm thinking, Bob, is this is wow. awesome because yeah, this really is ammunition. Is. So now that I can watch some uh, chick flicks. So thank you very much. Come on, Todd. <laughs> Step it up, man. Man up, baby. Come on. Oh, 
goodness. We okay. just adore you and Jenny so much and your whole family. And again, we thank you for your heart for men and for your dedication and serving the way that you do. But as we wrap this up, can you tell us just your heart behind seeing guys win and why that is such a high for you? God, I would even, me. here's the deal is I hate to lose. And right now there's a, in the battle is against Satan and the Bible talks about it, that he's a roaring lion ready to devour. And here's the truth. We're not even making it hard on him because is because the lion, when he attacks the group of gazelles, he doesn't go after the group. He goes after the one. And so we men in the church are all separated. We're all going one by one and we get picked off, picked off. We're not even making it hard. So to me, I, I'm a battle guy. I go to war. I don't want to lose. And the battle is against Satan. And I'll say bad words, but I won't say it on your podcast. But he sucks. And I want to go to war. I want to see men win. And here's what's amazing is when men start to understand their God-given purpose, man, it's incredible. Their marriages, their kids, winning is so they start living and understanding what this life, full life that, that Jesus talked about. And so I get so fired up when that happens. And then it's on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And so that's what gets me fired. That's awesome. May we all be fired up. Yeah, seriously. That's the reason to be fired up. Let's go swing in our swords and get some yeah. blood. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Man, thank you. Thank you for being such a mentor and inspiration a model. And honestly, just being a man's man sold out to Jesus. We love you, Bob. And uh, we pray God's continued. I still want to grow up to be just like you. That's sure you do someday. All right. Thanks again, Bob. And we appreciate you all tuning in to your biggest breakthrough. We will catch you next time. So glad you could join us today. And you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypat.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.